All right, so the Granite State in the midst of their primary, Donald Trump looking for a second big win in a row, and Nikki Haley either, look, trying to hang tight, or or maybe she feels like she has enough momentum to win it. Either way, we have a, a, a one-on-one race here, and that's everything that Nikki Haley has been asking for, wanted, and now she's got it. But what's the staying power? What are the people on the ground feeling about these two candidates? Sabrina Rodriguez is a national political reporter for The Washington Post and joins us. Sabrina, good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, what are you hearing from voters today on the ground in the Granite State? I mean, we're hearing, you know, mixed things. You know, we've seen in the polls for weeks and, and being on the ground and having conversations with voters, we've heard, you know, those Republican registered voters really strongly in support of Donald Trump, really wanting to see him, you know, win big tonight and, and hopefully box out Nikki Haley. Um, but we're seeing this as, you know, Haley's big last stand um, to have a strong showing. You know, at her events in the last couple of days, she's trying to tamp down expectations. She's saying, you know, she wanted to do better in Iowa than expected. She did that. Then now she wants to build on that and do better here than she did in Iowa. And then she plans to keep moving forward to South Carolina. Um, You know, there's the open question of what that looks like. Um, You know, obviously she would love to see a win here in New Hampshire, but that would require a historic number of independent voters coming out for her. Um, and, and, you know, for strategists and folks on the ground, it's, it's hard to see that um, happening. The Secretary of State of New Hampshire, David Scanlon, said that his his prediction would make it one of the, the highest turnout primaries ever in the state of 320,000 voters. Um, he said it looked pretty good early. There was a surge of early voting, but it kind of petered out and, and evened out in the afternoon. Is there any indication that, that they're going to hit that that benchmark? Yeah, it's, it's still an open question, really. But, you know, we do know that typically it's the last minute voters that are, you know, getting in line and sure. long lines that we expect to see, you know, when people are getting out of work after 5 and 6 p.m. Um, so there could be that surge that comes then. But but again, it is really that open question of will it come to fruition? Because a lot of the people that I've talked to here, you know, some of them are, are kind of down and out thinking, you know, if there are someone that that is not supportive of Donald Trump, You know, some of them look at the polls, look at the momentum that he has and say, you know, is it worth me going out to vote? Um, And if you're a Donald Trump supporter and you see how well he's been doing in polls here in the Granite State and nationally, um, you also could find yourself saying, well, he's going to win anyway. So um, it really is a question of are these people going to be motivated um, to come out and vote at the end of the day? CNN was reporting earlier that the Haley camp said that she was not going to uh, drop out after New Hampshire. She's already starting to spend money in the state of South Carolina. Of course, that's her home state where she was governor. Is there any indication that if if this thing is within, you know, I'm putting it within 10 percentage points. If she keeps this thing within striking distance, uh, it, it, sh- there's no doubt that she's going to continue on. Is that Does that jive with what you're hearing? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think folks in, in Trump world and, and you know, the, the conservatives that have dropped out and rallied behind Trump, I think a lot of them are really trying to push for her to get out of the race. We had, we saw Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene earlier today saying, you know, she absolutely should drop out and not should take action against her in the party. Um, 
But the reality is that she, you know, Nikki Haley for so long has said, you know, that she wanted this to be a two-person race. She called this a two-person race before it even officially was one. Um, so now that she has it, it's hard to see um, if the money keeps coming in, why she would drop out um, when she is the only alternative to Trump at the moment. I mean, Donald Trump had a huge win in Iowa, and that, while that wasn't necessarily a surprise, New Hampshire's a, a different state. It's made up of different types of voters and m many more independent voters in the state of New Hampshire. If, let's just say, Donald Trump were to win by double digits, if he gets to 15, nearing 20 percent, it, it does seem like it would be a momentum killer for Nikki Haley, and it would give Donald Trump, I mean, it, the, the, the path would be clear for, for his nomination then. It would. I mean, I think that one of the questions, again, also will be the numbers. Um, for example, we've seen Haley on the campaign trail really trying to, to downplay Trump's victory in Iowa. You know, her line this week has been mentioning that he only won 56,000 votes out of a state that has, you know, 3 million residents. Mm -hmm. um, so she's trying to say, you know, well, turnout was low in that um, in the caucuses. So why should it be, at, you know, why should it be framed as such a big victory for Trump when it was such few people that turned out? Um, so I think the exact number of turnout will be important. But if we do see, I mean, a historic turnout the way that the Secretary of State predicted, um, and he's winning by double digits, um, it is hard to, to kind of map out what that path forward would look like for her. And a lot of people are saying, you know, she wouldn't want to notch, you know, get a loss in her home state. So maybe it would make sense to then drop out before the, the February 24th primary. Yeah, and I, I never really liked that argument because then that means she didn't turn out enough voters either um, out of a <laughs> yeah. state of three million people. It's a that's a tough that's a tough uh, uh, argument when when you're on the losing end of it. I'm, I'm well, that's the politics of it. No doubt. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I'm curious to know, um, you know, I, I've I've heard some reports of voters out of New Hampshire that say, well, we like Donald Trump's policies, but how will he handle himself or the ideas that Donald Trump has worked before? We feel like they'll work again, but he doesn't know when to stop. Are 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 you? Do you get the sense that voters are able to separate those two aspects of Donald Trump, his his the the political side of Donald Trump and and the personal side of Donald Trump? Are they able to to separate those two things, or or are, are we kind of rolling back to what it was when he was president, where it was a package deal? You know, I think it depends on the person you talk to. A lot of a lot of Republican, you know, Trump supporters are are clear-eyed about who he is, are very clear-eyed about his demeanor, um, the way he speaks. You know, they'll acknowledge that sometimes they don't like his delivery of things, but there is this this level of, um, of appreciation among Republican voters of what they feel that he accomplished in his administration. So even the ones that will acknowledge to you, like they didn't like the way that he spoke or they don't like to this day, the way that he speaks, um, that they feel that he accomplished things, whether they feel that he protected the border or he, you know, appointed the Supreme Court justices that ultimately um, led to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, they can kind of check off certain things that they feel that, that he, you know, won and, and accomplished in his administration. And then depending on that is if they're willing to say, well, we don't care then about the personality. Um, but, you know, then there's the anti-Trump Republicans and independents here that are saying, you know, no, we can't look past that. That is a very large thing. Um, and they feel that because of that, Republicans have not 
really been winning in down ballot races the way that they would like to. You know, I I think back to 2020 in the primary when when a lot of the uh, Democrats who were vying for that job, whether it was Pete Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar, they got out around South Carolina and they threw all their their support behind Joe Biden. And that that was a, a huge surge for him. It feels like post Iowa, um, we saw a little bit of the same thing with Republicans. Vivek Ramaswamy exits the race. Tim Scott, uh, who exited a little earlier, but then endorsed Donald Trump ahead of New Hampshire. Uh, Ron DeSantis, obviously, exiting after Iowa. Is this similar in the sense that we are getting that same push just earlier in the primary cycle for Donald Trump and the Republicans? I mean, right now, it's 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 happening earlier, no question. And the fact is that for months we've seen in polling, you know, Trump being that leader in all the polls. Um, in 2020, you know, there was that question about who was the nominee ultimately going to be. You know, we saw, you know, Joe Biden. If we talked, you know, the night after the Iowa caucuses about Joe Biden, we wouldn't have thought that he was going to be the nominee necessarily. Sure. Um, and the same way coming out of New Hampshire, it was really South Carolina yeah. that saved yeah. him. Um, and, and also the same thing with Nevada. We, you know, going off of that, you would have thought, well, well Bernie Sanders, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out today. Sabrina Rodriguez, thank you so much. Always appreciate the time. Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon.